Our message today comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians, first chapter, and I'll be starting from the 15th verse. It's Colossians 1, 15. Hear ye the word of the Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, I now rejoice in the sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations has now been revealed to his saints. To them God will to make known are what, rich, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. So I had a pretty embarrassing situation happen to me a couple weeks back. I was uh, at my day job, and I was trying to fix a piece of equipment that was pretty much the brains of the audio-visual system in a conference room. And I had taken the broken one and shipped it back to the manufacturer, and I had a spare one that I was trying to put in its place, right? And it wasn't working when I put it in. I couldn't see the interface. I couldn't see anything on the screen. And so I'm pulling out my computer, I'm logging into it over a, a terminal server, I'm, I'm sending all these different commands to it, I'm getting responses back, I'm checking the firmware, I'm loading up software to it, I am going in. I've spent about three hours trying to make this thing work. 
throwing every trick I know at the book, pulled the instruction manual out. I was going in, working through lunch, working this hard, trying every super complicated AV engineer trick I knew in the book to try to get this thing to work. Only to find out that the problem was the video cable was unplugged. I did all of this complicated stuff trying to fix something and all I needed to do was tighten up the video cable and voila, the interface was on the screen. The solution was actually pretty simple. And that's kind of what I thought about when I thought about this message when Paul is writing this letter to the people in Colossus. Colossus is pretty much modern day Turkey. And during that time, it was like the central focus of a place called the Lycus Valley. But it has started to decline after a natural disaster. It was a pretty popular city, and if anybody wanted to get to the rest of the area, they had to go through Colossus. Sound kind of familiar. And while other cities like Laodicea had been able to rebuild after, after the, the natural disaster had come, they didn't have so much work, so much luck in doing it, but they, 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 they tried to put it back together. And so there were a lot of different communities in Colossus. The Colossians were surrounded by a whole lot of people, and, and they, they were a place when Paul was writing to them. Uh, this wasn't necessarily a place that Paul had been to directly, amen. Uh, there was a, Epaphras had actually been the one to teach the gospel to them, and as he left and came back, as they covered in the, in the, in the first 14 verses, as they came back, there became some confusion about what was going on, and that is why Paul is writing this letter. Uh, the church was surrounded by a bunch of mystery schools, reli- other religions, and cults, and they had all these different things you had to do, in or- they thought, in order to achieve salvation. They had all these people going through all of these different changes and doing these things. And so the church at Colossae thought, well, you know what? Maybe we should probably be a little bit harder on our members, too. Maybe we're missing something. Maybe we should be putting them through the, the, some, some sort of process in order for them to experience the mystery of the salvation of Jesus Christ. The mystery schools didn't just give you the knowledge straight out. Neither did any of these other cults. They, just, they didn't give it straight out. You had to go through some serious work. And maybe in, in some instances you had to go somewhere and be taught and, and not be able to speak for years and let just only hear what somebody said. Then you could ask questions later on, and then finally you could have a conversation. And so people thought, well, if all these other places are doing that, maybe we should be doing that too. And so Paul said, hold on. You're making it just a little bit too complicated. Let me make it real simple for you. Jesus. See, these churches were focusing on process instead of focusing on the Prince of Peace. Christ made his mysteries known to everybody who ever wanted him. You didn't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You didn't have to go through these things. If you wanted Jesus, Jesus wanted you. Matter of fact, when you don't want Jesus, Jesus 
wanted you. God says, before you were formed in the womb, that I knew you. John Wesley came along and called that a little later, that prevenient grace. That's that covering, that's that reaching out to you. They, they say in one of the church fathers says that the mystery is not that we seek God, it's that God seeks us. He wants us. All we have to do is turn to him. And so Paul said, you're making it kind of complicated. You got all these other things you're concerned about. Let's put you back on course. Let's get you right back to where you need Jesus. And Jesus is the answer to all of the questions. He's in everything and everything comes through him. It's the answer to all of the questions. Who is the son of God? Jesus. Who is our savior? Jesus. Who's the creator? Jesus. Who's the sustainer? Jesus. Who's our redeemer? Jesus. Doctor in the sick room? Jesus. Lawyer in the courtroom? Jesus. Waymaker? Jesus. Ezekiel's will in the middle of the will? Jesus. He's the answer to all of those questions. Who's going to protect us? Jesus. In whose name do we pray? Jesus. That is the focus. And if we stick with Jesus, we'll be a lot better off. If we stick with Jesus over trying to do what's popular, we'll be a lot better off. I've said it before, but it still surprises me that Russell Simmons, a man who has made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars off of hip-hop music, came into a radio station and told the person whose job it was to play music for a living. What was the top song six months ago? Nobody could remember. Nobody in the studio could remember. What was the top song a year ago? Nobody could remember. If you can't remember that, it's not going to last. And that was the reason why he didn't always stick with just music. Because he understood that that didn't last. But 2,000 years ago, a man born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. And the third day, he rose again with all power in his hand. That lasts. There's a reason why the Bible is the best-selling book of all time. That lasts. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there is something about Jesus. It's pretty simple. Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. Everybody wants to know what God is like. Well, we had a walking, talking, living, breathing example of him in our midst. And if you didn't get a chance to touch him and see him for yourself, some people left some cliff notes around about what he did. It's what he did to get here, what he did when he got here, and what we were supposed to do while we wait for him to come back. Pretty simple. I got some Bible for that. Uh, you turn to John 1, 1 and 5. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was God. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. And then you scroll down if you go to verse 14, and then it says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of his only that begotten son of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
We don't need to worry about growth plans. We don't need to worry about marketing plans. We don't need to worry about any other thing but Jesus. If we can come together on Jesus, that's not to say that there's nothing wrong with, that there's something wrong rather with proper preparation. But we go too far away from Jesus. We get into culture. We want to do what's popular. We want to not offend certain people. But we need to get back to Jesus. He was there in the beginning and everything that happens, happens without him. Everything that happened, happened with him. The image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God said, you look to Jesus. If you want to know what God thinks about something, look to Jesus. It's right all, it's right there. And if we can come back to Jesus, as opposed to being worried about what the culture thinks and what's popular, and how, what kind of standing will we have with our friends? What kind of standing will we have with our family? And in some cases, what kind of standing will we have with other church members? Jesus. The image of the invisible God. And not only is the image of the un- invisible God, he's the firstborn of all creation. Jesus was there at the beginning. You know, I, there are some privileges to being the firstborn. I happen to be the firstborn on both sides of my family for the entire generation. Both sides of the family, firstborn. And so there were some, some, some support given when my mother was pregnant with me. There was a whole lot of gifts given and support. And as I grew older, that came with some, some responsibilities, some punishment as well. There would be times where I'd be playing with my siblings or my cousins or I would just be in the room. And they did something that was not good. And when it was time for us to get the spankings, come on over here, Johnny, it's your turn. I didn't do nothing. But you were the oldest, and you, should, you had the power to stop it. So come on over here and get this too. And then there were some benefits as well to being the firstborn. Because whenever the siblings or my cousins needed something, and we needed to go ask mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or aunt or uncle or something, they would send the oldest. Why? Because if the oldest asks for it, the oldest is supposed to be the most responsible one. There's a better chance if the oldest one goes on your behalf to ask for something that you're going to get it. And so here we have just like that in the natural that happens in the spiritual. You have somebody that was born before you that is capable of going on to the father on your behalf. He's able to speak for you and advocate for you and defend for you and get you what you need on your behalf because he's the firstborn of all creation. When we go to Jesus as opposed to trying to do it on our own, there will be much better results. And all things were created in him and through him and all things 
hold together. You know, it would be nice to think that I'd gotten as far as I'd gotten based on my own. It would be nice to think that I was able to do everything by myself and that I'm oh so smart and I'm able to put everything together. But I know just a little bit better than that. I know in everything that I've done that has been even remotely successful, I have to look back and say if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? I know if it had not been for the Lord on my side, we would not be here in Texas. I know if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I'd have died my senior year of high school. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I know I would not have graduated college. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't be in this process right now trying to teach the word of God. And I realize that because in everything that I've done, Jesus has been a part of it. Not Johnny, not, John, not how smart Johnny is, not how strong Johnny is, not how fast Johnny runs. It's been Jesus. Jesus has been in all things, and I have to give him the glory for that. We come back to Jesus, and because of what Jesus has done, we can battle the flesh. He reconciles all things. And he reconciles all things to himself by him. When Jesus is going first in it, it'll work a whole lot better. And Paul says then, and he also says the, uh, that he now rejoices in the sufferings for you to fill up in my flesh. I've been looking back over how I've tried to do things myself. And I look at the path that I took, and it's not a linear path start off with this decision and make the wrong decision and hit my head and learn from it and go to make another decision and hit my head again and learn from it. Make another wrong decision and hit my head and learn from it. And I wondered for a while what would have happened if I'd have made some of these decisions a little differently and instead of going left and right and up and down and all across and everywhere, and if I'd have just made a straight line. But I now have learned that I need to rejoice in my sufferings. And understand that sometimes it takes a point of pain. Sometimes it takes a point of what they call optimal frustration in order to make it through. And so I look at when Paul says that I rejoice in the sufferings and to fill up in my flesh and understand that God is made stronger in my weakness. Because if I could do everything by myself, what need would I have for God? If I could do everything myself, what need would I have to thank God for waking me up this morning, starting me on my way, putting food on my table, clothes on my back, a roof over my head, activity of my limbs, being in my right mind. If I did all of that myself, I would not appreciate how far God has brought me. And so I rejoice in the sufferings. The Bible says that no, for, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that is correct, but we forget that the weapon still gets formed. The Bible says that man born of a woman, is, his days are few and full of trouble. There's a process. And when you rejoice in the sufferings, you begin to appreciate what you learned from it and realize that it, to appreciate God and appreciate Jesus for all that's been done. Yeah. 
I like jewelry. I don't wear a lot of jewelry. I try to keep it very simple, but I like jewelry. And when you make jewelry, there's a process that has to go through in order to make that jewelry. You don't just pull a piece of gold or piece of silver out of the ground and voila, brand new necklace. Voila, brand new ring. Ah, voila, brand new watch and cufflinks. It doesn't work like that. It's got to go through a process. Let the church say process. First thing you got to do in order to make that is you have to heat it up. It's got to be some fire applied to it. That fire is going to make it malleable. That fire is going to make it able to drown, but it's going to be extremely hot. Almost too hot to stand. But it's got to go through that process. And when it's heated up, then the impurities rise to the top. Everything that is in the middle, everything that, is, that makes, the, makes the, 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 the gold or the silver less valuable. It's got to rise to the top. And then when that heat, that pressure, that heat, that, 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 that heat puts on it and it brings all the impurities up to the top, the next thing you got to do is scrape the impurities off. That ain't pretty either. But it goes through the heat and the impurities rise to the top and then it's the, the, the impurities are scraped off and you know how the, the, the gold or the silver is ready to be used is that when the person that is making the jewelry is able to receive their reflection in the jewelry. And so I rejoice in the, the, the sufferings and I rejoice in what I go through because I understand that God is heating me up sometimes. And some of those things that are in me that are not supposed to be in me are coming out. And when they rise to the top, the guy's going to scrape them off. And then when God is able to look down and see himself in me, then I'll be fit for use. I'll go through the fire and come out as pure gold. So I'll rejoice in the sufferings that I'm going through through Christ in my flesh because I know that I'll come out like pure gold for the sake of Christ. And then I can't complain about what I've gone through because I'll think about it and somebody else will have gone through worse. Somebody else I can think of came down generation through generation. Couldn't have a place to stay and had to be born in a manger. He went through something worse. Somebody who knew no sin took on the rest of the sins of the world. He lived a life that I could not live. That's Jesus. He died a death that I could not die. That's Jesus. An innocent man crucified like a common criminal. That's the mystery that someone who is above all, the someone who's the king of kings and the lord of lords could be executed like a common criminal. But he went to that cross and he took all of our sins to that cross and he died. And not a metaphysical spirit, not, not an actual death. Jesus had to become what he was trying to save. And so he became, he was fully divine and he became fully human so that he could save full humans. And that's not where the story ended. He died, but then he got up with all power in his hand. And that's not where the story ends either because he's coming back again and we ought to be ready. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.